Welcome to episode 122 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Why, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jinstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine (laughs) if it's that time. Hi friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste, Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. 
I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, friends. Just wanted to let you know we had a slight issue with the audio quality for my track in this episode today. So if you're a new listener, it's normally much better quality. I actually contemplated re-recording the whole thing, <laughs> like just by myself, but Jim was like, Melanie, do not do that. But I promise it'll be back to normal next week.
And then one other thing I forgot to mention at the end of the show, we are a Himalaya partner network. So make sure you follow us in the Himalaya app to get access to our podcast 24 hours in advance. All right, now enjoy the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 122 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am doing great. I'm sitting here with my tailless cat. It's been eight weeks since she had her accident, so the vet was waiting to see if her tail would ever regain nerve sensation. He said, give it six. We gave it eight just to see. And it never did. So, you know, she didn't have any feeling in the bottom part of her tail, which is dangerous because you could injure it and she wouldn't know. You know, she could get it caught somewhere. She couldn't control it. So they amputated her little tail and she's back home with her little stub. So what's up with you? I have, in theory, my show launching tomorrow. Oh, yay. I say in theory because I had our network submitted to iTunes and... I assumed it was going to be up by now, but it's not. So I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, that's stressful. The beginning is stressful. I remember with mine, I had announced to everybody in my groups it was going to be there. (laughs) It was like late or something. And I was like, ah, you know, because we've got people from all over the world. And when we say a date, you know, in Australia, it's already this date. And so they're looking for it. Yeah, because when we launched the Intermittent Fasting Podcast, I'm pretty sure it went up like really quick. It did. Like it was like in two days or something. It was early. Yeah. So I was kind of anticipating that to happen this time around. When you launched your other one, do you remember how many days it took? I cannot even remember. I have have like zero memory of that. The whole thing was like, I I just don't remember. Yeah, because we submitted it. It was ready by the first day that it was supposed to be out. It was there. So okay, it did go up the right day, whatever that was. Yeah. So yeah, because now I'm like, I've announced it in my personal Facebook group, the Paleo One Meal a Day Biohackers, which everybody should join, by the way. I was going to send my email blast and everything today because I kind of assumed it was going to be up today, but... I don't think it is. And, you know, iTunes is so weird now. (laughs) Like they're like doing all these weird transition things with their categories and everything. So I don't even know if I would be able to find it. Like maybe it is up there. I don't think it is. (laughs) You just can't find it. It's there and you get, yeah. Because I'm partnering with Himalaya for it as well. I kind of am having them do a lot of the submissions. So I don't have as much right now direct access to it. I will, once it's up, they're going to like give me the power back, but they submitted it basically. So I'm at this really weird point. I'm like, do I send the email blast and be like premiering tomorrow? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That's right. Cause see my resonate recordings is who handled all that for me and still does. They do all the uploading. They mix the recording, resonate recording does everything. They upload it. So I just create my episodes. This is for intermittent fasting stories. I create the episodes. I send them to them They do everything. They put it on the website. They put it on the hosting platform. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. And I don't know what they do or what they did or when they did it. You know a lot more about that than I do because you handle all the uploading of this show. Yeah, whenever we get a technical email, Jen's like, you just handle this. (laughs) That's you, Melanie. Sorry. (laughs) Because they'll be like, Jen and Melanie, can you do this? And Jen's like, just just do it, Melanie. (laughs) I don't know. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. But really, if I was waiting to learn how to do it, I still would not have launched my podcast because (laughs) the day that I realized I could just pay somebody to edit this for me, 
That was the day I finally knew I would have one. Oh, I totally forgot. I forgot when you first started your other one and you were like, can you like maybe teach me how to do everything? And then you were like, oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. I just was like, I started fiddling around with it and I know I could learn how to do it. But I was also trying to manage these Facebook groups and that takes a lot of time and, you know, setting up a website and I wanted it to be really professional. And that was when I really appreciated you <laughs> and how much work you do for this podcast because, you know, you just do it and I just am, am here, you know, as, as a co-host. And so I really appreciate all that technological stuff that you do because it's a lot. Oh, well, thank you. It is a lot. I don't think people realize. No, no, they don't. I just like to throw that out there because I think especially with, we love our sponsors and stuff and it's all products we use and things like that. But I mean, it really is necessary in order to make the podcast even possible. It's true. Yeah. Because like with mine, I'm paying someone to edit it for me. I'm paying for the different platforms that I use to record it. There's subscription fees. And so, yeah, it costs money to produce something like this. Even if you're recording it at home on, you know, with your laptop, you're still having costs associated with it. So time. Yeah. But we love doing it. That's the thing. We love doing it. We wouldn't be having another podcast each if we didn't. That's true. That's exactly right. You know, because I love doing this one and answering the questions. I also love talking to the intermittent fasters and intermittent fasting stories and bringing all the different stories out there. And, you know, when I first started, I was like, is this going to be really boring? They're all going to be the same and everybody's going to be like, blah, blah, blah. But no, people love hearing the different stories because everyone, although they're similar threads, everyone's got differences too. I guess I should say the name. So my podcast is the Melanie Avalon podcast and Similar to Jen, it is an interview style podcast, but it will just be interviewing all people that are really well known in the health and wellness biohacking sphere. So for all those crazy tangents that I go on in this podcast, it's basically me just indulging in that to my heart's content and finding the people who really know, really know the stuff. And they really want to talk about it. I love it. And you know, I'm glad you're having... Um, a lot of these people come to that podcast because, you know, when we interview somebody together on this one, it's hard to, to interview with three people who are not in the same room. People don't realize that. Like when we have a guest, when it's you and me and a guest, we're all doing it from different locations. And it's hard to know, you know, is it time to jump in and is it time to ask a question? And the timing is a lot more difficult with three than it is with two. Like it's so much easier to interview people for intermittent fasting stories. And I bet you're finding it's a lot easier to interview your guests without me there <laughs> trying to have part of the conversation. It's really interesting. So without fail, almost every single guest gives me the exact same feedback once we're done. It's like starting to get really eerie. I like know what they're going to say. Do you know what it is? I don't. They say that I asked something to the effect of like the most interesting or the most unique questions. I think it's because I basically just want to ask the really random things <laughs> that I want to know rather than like the go-to questions. The standard one. That was actually a decision I had to make at the beginning. I was like, am I going to ask the standard questions or am I going to just be like, whatever, and ask exactly what I want to know? And <laughs> I decided to go with the latter. And I think it makes it really you know, unique and a fun conversation. I think so, because, you know, some people make the podcast circuit and they're on lots of different podcasts and they probably say or they get used to the same questions and the same 
thing over and over again. So hearing something different and even people who have listened to them on more than one podcast will enjoy hearing, you know, different questions from you. So I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So hopefully it comes out tomorrow. We shall see. We shall see. Well, I hope so. But yeah, it's very stressful when you're relying on somebody else or, you know, a process that you can't control. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. <laughs> As a control person, I like to control things. I know you like to control things too. So it's hard when somebody else is controlling and you have nothing to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> It'll all be good. We shall see. And can I just say something? We do always have usually a buy optimizers spot right at the beginning of the episode. People are pretty familiar with it. If you didn't listen to it at the beginning because you thought that it was one of the same ones that always runs, make sure you listen to it because they have a really good offer for just this episode and actually one other episode we had in the past. Listen to it. It's basically a free bottle of that P3OM probiotic, which is amazing. And I love that probiotic. I just wanted to reiterate that because we do have that spot running a lot in the beginning. I think people sometimes will skip it automatically. If you did skip it, go listen to it. Because it's a new offer. Awesome. It's a new offer and it's a really, really good one. It's a free bottle. So I want to emphasize that. Hi, friends. Now, if you're anything like me, you love biohacking, intermittent fasting, and getting feedback and data on what our bodies are doing. Now, when we do intermittent fasting or extended or prolonged fasting, it's hard to get feedback sometimes on how our bodies are doing in terms of fat burning and ketosis. This is one of the reasons that I created the Tone Device, which is a breath ketone analyzer. It can tell you the rate of fat burning your body is in by detecting the ketones on your breath. If you practice intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating, do an occasional 24-hour fast like once a week, or prolonged or extended fasting, it's likely your body is getting into light ketosis. If you are doing keto or low-carb, even sometimes paleo, you may be getting into a deeper state of fat burning and ketosis. If you do a high-carb diet, then you probably get into a light state of ketosis after some fasting. What I love about the tone is that you can simply breathe into it for about four to five seconds, and it will give you instant feedback on the rate of fat burning that your body is at. Now, when we are in ketosis, our bodies are at their highest rate of fat burning, which is what is so neat. We actually breathe out our fat. So the carbons that we are measuring with the tone device are actually coming from our fat. When we practice different approaches like intermittent fasting or doing time-restricted eating, lower-carb diets or keto approaches, our bodies actually make a metabolic switch where fat becomes our primary fuel. And the body takes fat and converts it into ketones in the liver. About 15 to 20% of those circulating ketones are then diffused through our lungs, out in our breath. And it is so amazing. I absolutely love using the tone every single day. I love the biofeedback, especially when I am doing any kind of fasting. And I can see my body gradually get into a deeper and deeper state of fat burning through those ketone levels going higher and higher. Now, one of the reasons I created the tone is because testing blood ketones is cost prohibitive. The test strips are extremely expensive. They are wasteful. You no longer have to buy test strips 
strips anymore. You can just breathe into the tone device for four to five seconds and get that instant feedback. It's a one-time investment and you'll be able to test an unlimited amount of times. Now, I always recommend testing with the tone device fasted first thing in the morning and testing up until you have your first meal of the day and you will be able to see differences there, especially if you do a longer fast, you'll see the ketones go higher and higher and it really is so great to get that biofeedback. Now, for the past year and a half, I've been working on a brand new version of the tone, the second generation tone device, and I am so excited for it to soon be available to you all. I wanted to create a special launch discount for the Tone device so that any of you who are interested can take advantage of that discount. I've never discounted the Tone device before, but if you are signed up to the exclusive VIP list, you will receive that launch discount. To sign up for the list, you can go to tonedevice.com and enter your name and email address and you will receive an email which you can confirm to double opt-in and you'll be the first to know when the new second generation tone device is available to order and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. I am so excited for you all to try it so be sure to go and sign up at tonedevice.com. All right now back to our show. All right so shall we get into our first question from Sarah? Yes. All right and the subject is sleep. Sarah says, my anxiety caused me to not sleep before starting IF. After starting IF and for about five months after, I would bounce between sleeping amazingly to having too much energy to sleep. Now I'm scraping by on just a few hours of sleep a night. I gave up all caffeine and limited my sugar intake in my window to prevent this, but sometimes I still can't fall asleep until 2 a.m. and I'm such a light sleeper now more than before. If I even roll over in my sleep, I wake myself up. I stay super busy all day, and I'm exhausted all the way up until I lay down in bed, then I'm wide awake. So, question is, how do you control your sleep schedule during IF? I'm tired, but I have almost too much energy. Okay, so I specifically put this question in today's episode because I just talked about my new podcast for a lot. In theory even though this is in the future, assuming everything goes according to schedule, Sarah, if you listen to last week's episode of my new show, which will be episode three, it should be in theory with Dr. Kirk Parsley, who is a sleep expert. He's like the go-to guy on sleep. Like he does Ted talks on sleep. That's how you know. And he's absolutely amazing. Our conversation was actually gin like three hours. So there's a lot of information in there. I wanted to bring in the sleep question to say if you have any questions about sleep whatsoever, definitely check out that episode. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But to address your question, Sarah, about sleep, because that did come up a lot in my conversation with him. And I mean, there are a lot of reasons, obviously, for why people have sleep problems. And I think one of the main reasons that people experience, people often have like falling asleep issues or they can't stay asleep issues. I think a lot of people with intermittent fasting do experience this like inability to fall asleep because of some people when they're in ketosis, I don't know what you're eating in your eating window, but if you're maintaining ketosis, some people have difficulty sleeping because it does stimulate a lot of like stimulatory catecholamines and neurotransmitters. Again, I don't know what you're eating. 
So I would suggest playing with your food choices to see if that can help. Some people do find that carbs actually really help. I know you're limiting your sugar, but having some carbs being in the form of maybe like starches or fruits or things like that might help. Something interesting that Dr. Kirk Parsley said, and this isn't as much applicable to Sarah because her problem is falling asleep rather than staying asleep. But something fascinating that he said that was a really good takeaway was that staying asleep often has to do with blood sugar issues and that it wasn't a matter of low blood sugar or high blood sugar, but rather blood sugar spikes. So like if you have consistently high blood sugar, which would not be good, but if you'd had that, in theory, you could probably stay asleep. If you had consistently low blood sugar, which might be the case in like a ketogenic diet or something, you might have no problem staying asleep. It's those spikes. So reacting to not being able to maintain a consistent blood sugar that often causes people to wake up in the middle of the night with like adrenaline and things like that. And that's because the body freaks out when the blood sugar changes. And so his suggestion was, you know, finding the foods that work for you that sustain consistent blood sugar. He was specifically saying like slow digesting carbs, like starches and things like that. So playing with your eating with your food might work. Something else, Sarah. So I don't know exactly when your eating window is, but that could be a thing as well because she doesn't say when her eating window is right. So we don't know if she's doing like a lunch or a dinner. You could play around though where your eating window is and that might help. You could also try Dr. Kirk Parsley does have an amazing sleep supplement called sleep remedy. It's actually how I found out about him um, was through his supplement which is completely all natural and it basically just provides all of the needed substrates that your brain needs to fall asleep. So there's no drugs in it or anything like that. It's just all of the substrates that your brain needs to naturally start the sleep process. So I actually would really, really recommend that you try that supplement. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It could be a game changer for you. You could also try, I've recently gotten on like the CBD train and I found that actually super helpful. I think a lot of people find that really helpful for sleep. So that's something you could try. There's a new brand that I actually really love and they are sponsoring an episode of the podcast. I'm not sure which episode they're sponsoring at the moment, but I actually really, really like them. And that is Feels CBD. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. And I mean, you say that you are exhausted all the way until you lay down to bed and then you're wide awake. So that sounds like, it seems to be very much like a mental thing or something with cortisol, something like that. So I think really working on your habits surrounding that can really help. And actually, when I interviewed Dr. Parsley, at the very, very end, I asked him, was there something that we didn't touch on that he wanted to you know, talk about? And this is what he said. So clearly, it was really important to him. And it was his recommendation for how to fix sleep issues. And he said what to do was set a clock for when you want to go to bed, set an alarm clock for when you want to wake up, and then at the same time, remove all visible clocks from your actual sleeping room. And the habit and the pattern that you do is when that first alarm clock goes off to go to bed, you go to bed, you go into your room, you go into your bed, you don't have any exposure to that actual clock in your room. So don't have any like visible clock. If you wake up in the middle of the night or if you can't sleep or whatever, do not look at the clock. There's no clock looking. And then you don't get up until that alarm clock goes off in the morning. 
And he said, like, continuing that pattern over and over will condition you to get into this, like, sleep pattern that you need to be in because you will have to sleep at some point. Like, your body will compensate. And a lot of the time, so much of it is this anxiety part where we're just thinking about what time and worried that we're not going to be able to sleep and, you know, not being able to fall asleep. And so taking away that idea of looking at the clock and how much time left can be a game changer. That's something that you could try as well. So basically no looking at the clock and you get up when the alarm clock goes off in the morning and then you rinse and repeat. Yeah. I think that's a great suggestion. I may have to try to figure that out too. Yeah. I posted it in my group and so many people said that they were going to try it. Like we don't have a clock in our bedroom at the beach, though we did just buy one. <laughs> so because I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll look at my phone to see what time it is. Because I'm like, I don't know, is it appropriate time to wake up? So I have that conversation with my own brain every single night. Is it time to wake up or is it too early? And Yeah, because I think so much of it is mental. And that was something we talked about was, I mean, there are all these, you know, mechanisms and things we can do to help support sleep. And I went through my entire sleep hygiene thing. And he said that I was hands down the most intense sleep hygiene person he had ever encountered in his life. Oh, I'm not surprised. (laughs) And he said he was going to start using me as an example to his patients of if you wanted to do like all the sleep hygiene things. I'm probably the worst. I look at screens up until the moment I close my eyes. I go to sleep with a screen on. Uh, Yeah. He said, because a lot of people do like the red light glasses, but I actually have three different stages of glasses. Like I start with like my clear ones that block out 90%. Then I switch to my yellow. Then I switch to my red. And he was like, I have never met somebody who has three stages of glasses. The reason I'm talking about that is because there are all these things and they are wonderful for sleep. But in theory, we something we talked about was, I mean, it really is in your mind. Like if in theory, if you were like on point with like meditation or able to just, you know, turn off that part of you keeping you awake at night, you wouldn't in theory need any of these things because you could just, you know, fall asleep. So a lot of it is really mental. So that was a long thing about sleep. Jen, do you want to give more insight or what people say in the groups? I don't know. Is there more insight? <laughs> That's, that was a lot of insight. There's a three-hour episode you can listen to. <laughs> oh, no. But I've noticed what you noticed, Sarah, about the sugar. If I eat too much sugar, you know, I don't eat as much sugar now as I used to just because I've noticed how it makes me feel. If I eat a lot of sugar, I end up having restless legs and I carry that over into bedtime also. And so I find myself, you know, tossing and turning. And my husband is like, what is wrong with you? Why are you over there running a marathon? And and I've just kind of made that connection. Also, too much wine also gives me a really restless night. You know, I might fall asleep more quickly, but then I toss and turn a lot. So I've, I've just made that connection over time. And, you know, Sarah did mention that she's always had sleep trouble even prior to IF. So I, I know that it's frustrating to... um struggle with not being able to sleep. And I also think it's common as we get older, just in general, people tend to find that that it's more difficult as we get older. So try those things, listen to Melanie's podcast episode, and hopefully you'll find something that helps. Yeah, definitely. I'm just from now on, if we get a sleep question, I'm going to be like, just listen to that episode because we cover everything. I really, really honestly, CBD has been a game changer for me for sleep. I ran out for like a little bit 
And I've been like dying. Oh, well, I will say this. I got that sample that the company that's sponsoring us sent. And I've never had CBD oil. And I remember our first CBD oil question was like a long, long time ago, Melanie, when we were still like, is this stuff even legal? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're like, I don't know if it's legal where you live. Maybe you shouldn't use it. We don't really know. (laughs) But now it's like everywhere. It's like every store is selling it, even in Georgia and South Carolina, where we're super duper conservative, there's CBD oil in every corner. So it's just, I was thinking about how far we've come because early on, we we're like, we don't even know if it's legal where you live. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Well, now I got the sample. The other night I tried it and it was the first time I'd ever tried it and I took it right at bedtime. And then I read the pamphlet that said, don't take it right at bedtime at first. I'm like, great. <laughs> then yesterday I took it like to open my window. I took it at that time. So we'll see. I'm just very curious. I'll see what happens. I don't know. Jen, now I'm so excited to talk about CBD because they're actually sponsoring, I think, next episode. And they have an amazing offer that they're offering too. So guys, check back next week because we get to actually talk about the sponsorship and the offer that we can give you guys. I've become really, really obsessed with CBD. And it's really interesting because when I started experimenting with CBD, because I was experimenting with it for anxiety at night and sleep and things like that and inflammation. And I was trying different brands, but I'm like really, really strict in my, obviously I have all my criteria So I'm really happy that we actually found a company that met all of my stringent criteria. So, yeah, me too. But I'm really interested to experiment with it. So hopefully by next week, I'll be able to say, yeah, it's helping me sleep better. I'll just have to remember to take it. See, I've shared this before. I have really a lot of trouble with being consistent (laughs) with taking something. I've got it just sitting right now in the bathroom. So when I walk in there, I see it. But that's really the only thing I can do. I'm just terrible at remembering. That's my problem. I'm going to remind you every day. (laughs) I'll just take it when I open my window and see what happens. Or should I start taking it at bedtime? See, that's what I don't know. Well, it depends. If you're using it for sleep, I would. Because I've done a lot of research on it. It just spooked me when it said in their pamphlet, don't start with it at bedtime if you're not sure how you react. Or like that a small amount might make you wired, whereas a larger amount is better for sleep. So now I just don't know what to do. And I'm like, what if it makes me not sleep? What would you do if you were me? How would you take it? It does seem, it it is very individual. And like, they say that, that like smaller amounts are stimulating, but I haven't found anybody who's told me like hands down. It's not like caffeine stimulating. I haven't experienced that. I haven't heard anybody else say that. Ben Greenfield was talking about it on his podcast the other day. He said the same thing. He was like, it's not really like crazy stimulating. I would recommend, especially since we're intermittent fasters and we can really tell how things affect us. I would recommend Jen, if you want to do it for like the calming effect and like sleep and all of that, maybe like right before your eating window. So you can kind of really tell how it's affecting you. I would try that. That's what I've decided to do yesterday. So I've had it for two days now. And then if you actually like, do you have wake ups in the middle of the night? You could take some more. That's what I've been finding works as well. Now that we had this whole conversation, I'm pretty sure, Sarah, we can fix your sleep issues. Hands down, if you get that sleep remedy from Kirk Parsley and if you get CBD next week through Feels, which is the company, I can almost guarantee it will fix your sleep. If it doesn't, let me know. Well, it's just so interesting. I'm just still laughing about how we were the first time we we talked about CBD oil. (laughs) And just to be clear, we're still recommending that people 
take it to open their window or to close their window, right? It's one of those tricky questions, you know, because, you know, does it break the fast? It's in an oil carrier. Yeah, because this brand is just MCT from Organic Coconuts and the Full Spectrum CBD from Hemp. Yeah, because I saw that that on the label that it just had those two things. So, I mean, people ask this all the time now in the group about when do they take it. And, you know, I kind of am at the point where I'm saying it's a tiny bit of oil. It's a tiny bit. And if you take it for relief, like if it helps you with pain so much that you need it during the fast, you know, it's just a little bit under your tongue. You have to weigh out the drawbacks versus the benefits. It's just a little bit. Because a lot of them are formulated with other things. And a lot of them are formulated with just the actual hemp oil, which is going to be a mostly polyunsaturated oil. I think from our conversation, Jen, like we said, it is a tiny bit. I feel like we should be having this conversation next week when they're actually sponsoring, but we'll just keep going. It was really important to me to get one formulated with MCT oil. And I think if there is one oil, especially in that tiny amount, and you're using it therapeutically, that is the least likely to break your fast. I mean, it's going to be MCT oil. And we're not taking like a tablespoon of it, like in Bulletproof Coffee style. You're taking like a drop of basically pure MCT. I really don't see it like breaking the fast or anything like that. But I do think for those who do want to experiment with it, especially for anxiety, like it's at or sleep, I think it would be a really good way to like, yeah, open your window before you have food. So you can kind of see like how you're reacting. Or then, like I said, like if you wake up in the middle of the night, having it then. So because especially then you're still going to be sort of like in the fed state anyway, and it would just be like basically an MCT. You know, I don't see it as breaking. Well, it's a far cry from adding, you know, tablespoons of MCT oil to your coffee. It's definitely not going to be like that. It's a tiny, tiny little bit. Yeah. It's not going to be a calorie source really. I am interested about, you know, how my brain's perceiving the flavor of it. I don't know. I'll have to see. Maybe I'll try it this afternoon. And then not eat for a little while and see how I feel. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's just, it's one of those things. It's kind of like a tricky one. Tricky question. I mean, I think it does fit really well though with one meal a day because it does tend to be calming. So opening your window with it, I think is a really good way to go. And I'll just go ahead and talk more about it. You know, you're going to have to check back guys next week for the special offer, which is amazing. Like I said, but one of the amazing things about feels is they have like this flight option where you can try the different strengths because on top of all this, there's different strengths of CBD. So they have this like flight option where you can kind of like try different ones and see what works for you the best, but definitely check back next week because we have a super awesome offer and I'm super excited. And I, I'm waiting for my like new order from them to come in the mail. And I think it's supposed to come today. So I'm really excited about that. Wow, I did not anticipate this to be like a whole CBD tangent, but... Well, there we go. (laughs) Hopefully, Sarah, hopefully we helped you out a little bit. I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. And like I said, definitely get that sleep remedy. That and CBD, either one would possibly fix it for you, but together I think you'll be golden. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is excited to offer members a new way to explore their interests with the new Plus Catalog. This holiday season will certainly be more special than last. It's finally time to gather together and exchange thoughtful gifts with the people you care about. In the midst of all the holiday excitement, think about giving yourself the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the absolute best time to do it with a special offer of 60% off your first three months. 
With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals. All available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release. Yours to keep forever. You can listen to Melanie's book, What When Wine, or either of my books, Delayed on Deny or Fast Feast Repeat. And coming January 4th, you can listen to Cleanish. Here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. No matter where you're going or what you're doing this holiday season, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Now that I'm doing a lot of driving to the beach and back, Audible is the perfect companion for each trip. There's so much to choose from that I will never be done finding great options. Right now, for a limited time, save 60% on your first three months of Audible. That's only $5.95 a month. Give yourself the gift of listening. For more, go to audible.com slash ifpodcast. That's audible.com slash ifpodcast. Or you can text ifpodcast to 500-500 for 60% off your first three months. That's definitely a gift you'll love to give yourself. And now, back to the show. So the next question comes from... Gabrielle, and the subject is, I need a light at the end of my chubby tunnel. And Gabrielle says, Jen and Melanie, thank you for all that you do to bring thoroughly researched facts to our community. You are a breath of fresh air and a murky world of contradictory studies and confusing data. I wanted to write this email for months, but waited and waited for the right time. I've trusted the process and forged on. But today the time has come. Some background on me. I was naturally thin until the age of around 30. I did what I wanted and ate what I wanted, never had to worry about my clothes getting snug. But all of that changed in my 30s. It feels like I put on the weight overnight, but I know that isn't the case. I am overweight. The internet and doctor's charts would label me as obese. I needed to take action. So I ramped up my workout schedule, HIIT, four to five days a week, and saw no results. Okay, they say abs are made in the kitchen, but I assure you, I am not looking for abs. I am looking to be comfortable in my body, which I am not. I then counted calories to lose a few pounds, only to go back to normal life and gain them back with a few extra. I continued to work out for the health benefits, but remained disappointed that it has never helped with my weight or shape. But I just can't bring myself to count calories every day for the rest of my life. And then I stumbled upon your Facebook group and podcast. I read actually listen to Delay Don't Deny on Audible in two days. This is it. This is the solution I've been searching for. This is the lifestyle, not the temporary diet. I began intermittent fasting in December seven months ago. With the exception of holidays and vacations, I've stayed the course. I fasted as little as 16 hours on Sundays and up to 25 hours on other days. I'd venture to say that my average is about a 19-hour window. And my results? Zip. Nada. I haven't lost a thing. My weight fluctuates and a four pound swing weekly, but that is typical for me. Up and down, but no actual movement week to week. I've measured, I've taken pictures, I've had no results. Still, I'm sticking with it. 
I believe in IF and I believe this is the best way to treat my body. But what am I missing? Why is my weight not budging? Also, I recently joined Weight Watchers. I thought that would help me to further clean up what I am eating in my eating window. However, that was leading toward low-fat or fat-free items. Things are starting to feel too contradictory. I've begun researching functional doctors. Is that a good move to test my hormone levels aside for the standard thyroid check at my primary care doctor? Do I need a juve? Do I need serapeptase? Do I need to be 29 again? <laughs> Please help. Gabrielle. Gabrielle, you're an amazing writer. Are you a writer, Gabrielle? I know. I loved it. I loved her whole email. I feel like, I don't know. Are you a writer? I want to know. I want to know. Are you a blogger? I want to know. Yeah, she is, whether she knows it or not. She is a writer because she did a great job. Yeah. Well, true. She is a writer, clearly. Does somebody pay you for writing as well? You're very talented, Gabrielle. But what are your thoughts for Gabrielle, Jen? Well, I think at the end, what she said is right on. You know, as I was reading her email, I start thinking, you know, one big clue is how her weight just all of a sudden became a problem. Like she didn't have a problem and then boom, her weight just skyrocketed. And then she all of a sudden has had a problem ever since. You know, it's it's like something changed in Gabrielle's body. And so, you know, that's a sign that something went on behind the scenes. And it's not just all of a sudden, you know, you just started eating more food or all of a sudden you, you know, got sloppy with whatever. Something changed in your body and you've been fighting that ever since. It is really, really, really hard to fight against your body when there's something wrong. But the key is trying to figure out what that is. You know, intermittent fasting is a fabulous weight loss plan if it addresses the reason that you are overweight. And that's the key. Until you address the reason that your body is not releasing the fat, you're going to have a hard time losing it as you see. And, you know, so many people, you know, doctors and, you know, maybe trainers, people that never really had to struggle themselves, they're like, well, just eat less food, just move more, just, you know, that's all there is to it. But clearly we know that's not the case. Because without changing a thing, your weight changed. Something is going on. Now, you mentioned going to a functional doctor. Functional doctors, they're going to know. They understand that our bodies are very complicated. And then it's not just as simple as, well, Gabrielle, just eat less food. Just move more. You know that's not the answer for you. And so, yeah, I think you're on the right track to think about your thyroid. Now, I would go to somebody who understands that more than perhaps your primary care doctor. Now, you might be super duper lucky and have a primary care doctor who understands that there's more to thyroid function than just you do the standard test and you compare it to the chart of standard, this is what we're looking for. Oh, your numbers are fine. You must be fine. We know that is not how simple the thyroid is. It's not just, is your value within this range? You must be fine. You know, I was having trouble, had a thyroid nodule, and I was having some issues gaining a lot of weight, and I was getting it all checked out. This is maybe 2006 that I started really going down this this path, and, you know, I started reading, and I learned that my body temperature was always really low, and that was a sign of poor thyroid function, and that used to be the diagnostic tool that doctors would use. They would check your body temperature. They would see... If it was low, then they would provide you with thyroid hormone until your body temperature came up, and then that would help. That's how they treated it. It was based on how you responded it. They kept upping the dose until your body temperature got back into that normal range. Well, now that's not what most doctors do. Broda Barnes, by the way, is the physician that 
did a lot of writing about this. I read his book years and years ago, but I remember it was fascinating. He did the work and wrote a book about the thyroid and checking your temperature. So check your temperature and see, is your temperature always running a bit low? That's really, you know, not a good sign. And there are a lot of things in our modern age that cause our thyroid function to suffer. You know, it's not working the way it's supposed to. And so you need a doctor that really understands that and isn't just going to do a typical blood work and say, oh, you're fine. If you don't feel fine, you're not fine. And we had um, L. Russ on the podcast a, a long time ago. Melanie, maybe we should put a link to that episode. I can't even remember what number it was, but it was an early episode. But she's really knowledgeable about what tests you should ask for and how to find a doctor that is going to help you with it. Because if your thyroid is working against you, you know, that controls a lot of what's going on in your body. So just having a normal test from a doctor, oh, you're fine. It's not your thyroid. That doesn't mean that you're fine. There's so many ways it could still be going wrong. Like maybe your body is making plenty of thyroid hormone, but it's not working the way it's supposed to. What's the word I'm looking for? It's been a long time since I've read about the thyroid. I mean, you could have high reverse T3 so that you have high hormones, but they're not actually able to get into the cells. Or you could have high like stored hormones, but not high free hormones. So not actually high hormones circulating actively in the bloodstream. There are a lot of different factors that could come into play. It's really, really complicated. It is very complicated. And, you know, just looking at a value on a test isn't going to give you the picture of what's your body doing with the hormones that you're, you're making. You got to have somebody who really understands. I had somebody on my podcast, Intermittent Fasting Stories, who had a similar kind of situation. And she finally found a doctor that could help her through it and found good results. And she also started an alternate daily fasting protocol, the up and down day. So that is really something to try, the up days and the down days. It can either be true alternate daily fasting, or you could do a 4-3 approach if you like something more regular. It's like you always have the same three days of the week as your down days, and the other four are your up days. Some people are really scared of trying that pattern. If you're really used to a daily eating window approach, you're scared, like, how am I going to do, you know, every other day or, or you know, what is a down day going to be bad? But then once people try it, they find it's really not as hard as they thought it would be. Hi, guys. We hope you're enjoying the show today. I wanted to take a brief moment to tell you about one of my favorite sponsors. Don't tell anybody else. <laughs> Can I ask you a really controversial question, Jen? What are your thoughts? Because I know you've done this in the past when you were doing all of your crazy diets, but just from like a scientific perspective and what it's supposed to do with like the hypothalamus and everything, do you know what I'm going to ask? HCG? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Like the injections? You know, I, I've i read all those books. Uh, Dr. Simeon's is the guy who came up with the whole HCG diet and it was a theory that when you had the injection of HCG, that it tricked your body into thinking you were pregnant because HCG is the pregnancy hormone that our bodies produce when we are pregnant. And so Dr. Simeon's noticed that, you know, pregnant women could have really poor nutrition, but still manage to grow a baby because their fat stores were being used to fuel the baby. So it's like the HCG did something in the body with helping them access their fat stores better. So he had this whole theory and, you know, he started giving patients HCG, but he also put them on a very, 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 very strict 500 calorie a day diet while taking the HCG. 
and, you know, just the right dose for them. And he would have them in his clinic and feed them this certain special diet and they would lose weight rapidly. And his contention was the HCG protected you from having the metabolic slowdown that a 500 calorie a day diet normally would. So is that true or not? (sighs) I don't know. I experimented with the HCG diet back in the day. I mean, I didn't just experiment with it. I fully, you know, went to a doctor, got a prescription, gave myself injections of this hormone, ate 500 calories a day, lost a lot of weight, followed the what you're supposed to do protocol for after you're done. I regained every bit of it and then more. So... I feel like it did slow my metabolic rate, and I had a really hard time after that. When you regained the weight, did you revert back to previous eating habits, or was that with cleaner eating habits? Oh, I did always eventually go back to the old eating habits, but you're supposed to be able to you know, gradually add things back, whatever. And not only did I regain the weight, but I regained it differently. Like all of a sudden, I had abdominal fat, and then all of a sudden... I was even, it was a typical yo-yo after a restrictive diet. Absolutely what it didn't do was fix my body and keep me from gaining weight. And I watched a lot of people struggle with that same thing because this was before Facebook. I was on um, message boards. Do you remember bulletin boards? Did you ever do those before Facebook? Are you old enough to remember bulletin message boards? Older listeners will know what I'm talking about. I mean, I've been alive since the whole internet stuff. Yeah. I mean, you were alive. You were alive when it was happening, but I don't know if you were on any. It was like message boards where people like talked about things. People had a lot of struggle with the weight regain. There were very few people that managed to keep the weight off, even following all the guidelines. So there's the clue right there. Well, I've just been researching a lot recently because I got a question about it and I've been like researching the, the science of it. Um, because I think, because my only like experience with it in the past was when I was trying lots of different, you know, crazy calorie counting and fad diets and stuff. And I did like the homeopathic drops, which I don't even know if those are doing anything. Right. You're not getting the actual hormone. And I wasn't even well-versed on like the science of body fat burning and hormones and things like that. Not that I'm like super well-versed now, but now I research and I understand things a lot more. So I've been like researching the science of it to see how it works. And I'm just really interested in the concept as far as like its effect on progesterone and how it, you know, might actually, you know, unlock these fatty acid stores so I could see it as like a protective mechanism. Yeah. Oh, I can too. Cause it's hormone. Hormones are powerful. They control our body. Yeah. And I'm not a doctor and I, I don't want to say go get HCG injections, but now I've been like researching it and I'm thinking, Hmm, like, would this actually possibly be a maybe not in conjunction with a 500 calorie diet but this is me just like well let me just say this though I think absolutely no because he actually goes on and on and in all of the stuff he writes he's like it's got to be these exact foods it can only be chicken and not turkey it can only be this and not that and you cannot have this and don't just count up 500 calories it has to be these only these specific foods And if it was just about the calories, that would not be true. That's something I've been wondering about. And it's unfortunate that there's not, I haven't been able to find more reasoning behind why it is certain foods and not others, because the way I'm interpreting it from just looking at it from a mechanistic standpoint, it does seem that 
in theory, it would be, you know, creating an easier access. So in a way, encouraging this quote, fat burning state. Yeah, that part of the theory I get. And that's why I tried it. But the whole, and you must also only eat these exact foods, or it won't work. I don't care if you're counting up to 500 calories. If you eat a pickle, that's not going to work. And you better not get a massage because your body's going to absorb the oil and that'll stop you from burning fat. I mean, that was part of it. (laughs) Don't put on lotion. Yeah, no, exactly. I wish it was studied more. I think there's something there, but I feel like it's been locked away into like a discredited quasi science realm with this like really weird diet. That's like not weird, but in theory, if it is unlocking your fat stores in theory, why couldn't you just eat 500 calories of anything? Well, you know, especially like a higher protein to support muscle mass and then like a lower, you know, cause it like limits your you know, fruit or things like that. I don't don't know. It's complicated. It really was fairly high protein because you were supposed to eat a lot of chicken. I ate a lot of beef at that time. Like I would take some ground beef and saute it with an onion and then you could have strawberries and I would have some strawberries. That's the thing. It'll be like, you can just have strawberries, but you can't have these other fruits. And I'm like, why is that? (laughs) You know, like, especially if you like look at the actual breakdown. And he was very clear that you should not make substitutions. And if you did, it wasn't going to work. And I'm like, well, that makes no sense, but okay. <laughs> I tried it and I did lose weight and I lost weight quickly. But I will tell you this. I started feeling like my body was sending me a signal of stop doing that. Really? What was that? Like I started feeling the way that you would feel when your body is saying, no, this is not working. Like the last time I did HCG, I was going through a a doctor's office. How many rounds of it did you do? Well, I did it a whole bunch in 2009. Like I was just off and on and off and on all the time back then. I did it a ton and lost a good bit of weight. And then that was before, I was never obese before I did HCG. I think this is important to note. I was never obese. And then I did HCG. And then when I gained all the weight back, Not only did I gain it all back, but I gained back more. And I would keep trying to go back to it. And it just got harder and harder. You know, I've been doing research for a special secret project about what happens when our bodies do adapt and our metabolism slow down. And, you know, that's what we've got all of our hunger hormones for. Like our body will ramp up, you know, ghrelin to say, eat, you're going to die, you're starving, eat. And, you know, if theoretically HCG unlocked these fat stores in a way that, our bodies were happy, you would not feel that. Well, you would just feel great. But I didn't. I started getting the eat, eat, eat signal. You know, it's really, this is a side note, but it's like I said, I've been researching a lot. I find it really interesting that one of his reset days, his reset things for people who are stalled or plateaued or whatever is basically like one meal a day. Because he says to do the steak day and you eat like a big steak and an apple or something just for dinner. Yeah, you eat nothing all day and you just have a snake. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and you have a steak day. I mean, there were people in the groups that would just have steak day after steak day because your body's fighting back. So I don't think the metabolic advantage is true. I don't think that's true at all. I, I feel like it might even just be like a placebo kind of a thing. And I do feel like it damaged my metabolism. I absolutely feel like it did. And... You know, I remember doing those steak days because my weight would go up. And then 
you know, do I do another one the next day? And do you just do steak days for the rest of your life? And then you're like, this is crazy. Forget it. I just, I quit. (laughs) Then the weight comes back like it always had. That made me think of something else. I had Dr. Ken Brown again on my new podcast. Uh Uh-huh. I don't know when that episode will be airing, but something he said, which is really interesting, was that, did you know that inflammation either decreases leptin or it decreases our sensitivity to leptin? Well, that makes sense. I thought that was really interesting. So like if you're in like a consistent, consistently um, inflammatory state for whatever reason. You never feel satisfied from your food. Yeah. From like diet, lifestyle, or your food choices, you might always be always hungry, which is really, really interesting. It's really hard to fight against your hormones. That is the point, I think, you know, back to Gabrielle's question. It's really hard to fight against these hormones. You know, like when I was trying to do the restrictive HCG diet, my body did not feel like, hey, all is well. It felt like you're starving yourself. So it got harder and harder as it went on to the point that you're finally like, I just can't take it. I've got to eat. That's a bad sign. You should not feel like that but it's your body protecting you and sending the signal. So based on my experience with it, I don't find the theory to hold weight. I think it's actually doing something for sure. I just don't know like to what extent and I don't know. I'm just very fascinated by it. Yeah. I would certainly never do it again. Yeah. I'm not advocating it. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Well, I do know a lot about it. It's funny how that stuff is all still in my brain because it's been a long time since I've done it. But I'm sure there's probably places around town I could go get some more if I wanted to. I do not want to. (laughs) Well, I do know, because like I said, I've been researching a lot recently since somebody asked me about it. It seems like now there are a lot of like new protocol, you know, like people will try like there's like new versions of it and like different doctors prescribe different versions. So it's become like much more. I remember some of those, like there were 800 calorie plans and there were, yeah. Yeah. Or like different foods. Yeah. Oh, but you know me, I'm going to do it the way, the purest way. I did it the Dr. Simeon's way. (laughs) (laughs) Just a few other things for Gabrielle's question. So I think we tackled the hormone aspect really well. And then some, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely the hormone thing. That would be something you would want to work with a functional doctor to see where you are at. Not even just thyroid, but you know, I mentioned progesterone, which is something that HCG is involved with, but that can be involved. There's so many hormones. So a lot of things that could be going on there. I do want to draw slight attention to the actual food choices. It's interesting. You said that, you know, you tried Weight Watchers. It's interesting that you said you tried it not as a way really to count calories, but more as a way to further clean up your diet, which I thought was interesting. So I don't really know what your diet looks like throughout all of this because I don't think she really, she doesn't really give us a picture. No, she doesn't. Or even like how much weight she has to lose, really, or how long she's, well, no, she said she's been doing it for seven months. She said she's chubby. She said the word chubby. And she she talks about like not being able to count calories. Oh, she said she's obese. She said she's obese. Okay. Yeah. Even though it's very well written and a very comprehensive picture, there's very little detail about what you're actually eating, Gabrielle. So what this says to me, except for the idea that you Try Weight Watchers as a way to further clean up what you're eating, but then it was sort of like low fat and that felt contradictory. So that's actually a huge flag to me. I don't know what you're eating, but I'm sensing this sort of tension here in that you may feel that it sounds like you're trying to eat clean, but I feel like you, and what is clean, you know, but it sounds like you're trying to make like healthy choices 
but there's sort of like a resistance there because you've wanted to do more, but then you felt like that was going against probably being intuitive. That's what I'm guessing with like the contradictory thing. Like how can you, you know, have to be low fat than eat what you want in your eating window? I mean, I could be putting words in your mouth, but that's the idea I'm getting. So I would encourage you in addition to the hormones to actually explore more there with your food choices, because the fact that you don't mention it much makes me think that you're kind of hesitant to, or maybe that's something you haven't really pursued. So I would actually really encourage you to try that, how that looks like for you. I don't know what you're doing, so I can't say. I would really, really recommend that you get a copy of my book, What When Wine, because it does provide a really nuanced perspective, I think, for how different foods may or may not work for you. And a lot of, you know, good things that you can try as far as like how to find the diet that would work for you. Cause I think that that could be huge. And I do think macros are actually pretty big and I think certain macros work for certain people. So like low fat, I actually, honestly, I have no problem with a quote whole, like a health, I don't even like these words, but like I have no problem with choosing like a whole foods a real food, low-fat approach versus don't get a sleeve of snack wells, don't get a fat-free cream cheese. Yeah. Oh, please, no. See, I think fat-free processed foods are oftentimes the worst because they're just full of like processed substitutes, like nothing real, just very bad things. Guar gum or something. Yeah, like just no. (laughs) Some people do better on like a low-fat, real foods approach to diet and that can actually really work for weight loss on a lot of people. So, you know, maybe for you trying like a whole foods, low fat approach might work or trying like a, a whole foods, low carb approach might work. But I think maybe pursuing that more, if you haven't consistently tried something that could be an option. And I will just throw it out there as like, just try this because I'm curious and I want to keep throwing it out to the universe. If you are eating a lot of polyunsaturated fats (laughs) in the form of like nuts and things like that, those are, possibly be very weight promoting. I think there are a few different foods that are basically in general, regardless of your genetic tendencies tend to be weight promoting because of the nature of what is found within them. And that is going to be something like dairy because dairy is basically, it has all of, I mean, hormonally, the purpose of dairy is to build a baby, build something. So dairy is like hormonally, it's going to tell you to put on weight and then the composition of it, it tends to be high fat. Oftentimes there's also like a carb aspect to it with, you know, lactose or something like that. So I think there are categories of foods that are very weight promoting. I think dairy pretty much is in there. Also nuts as well, because they are basically everything that you need to grow because they're basically like protein, carbs, fat, all at one time. They're nutrient dense, but they're very, very calorie dense in a very small package. And like in the real world, now we get them in like these gallon jars where we can just like eat them really easily. Whereas if you wanted to actually, you know, eat almonds from an almond, what do almonds grow on a tree? Or a bush? I don't know. I don't know. I think they're a tree nut, but I'm not sure. No, I don't know. Well, in any case, it would actually be difficult to actually, you know, get all those almonds. So yeah, I don't know what you're eating, but maybe if you're eating dairy, maybe try mixing that. Or if you're eating lots of nuts, maybe try mixing that or try, you could try playing with your macros. But I do think pursuing the food aspect more in addition to the hormones is an option that was really long, but I think we really hit it really well. 
Yeah, I think so too. It's complicated. And as I said, and then I really moved away from that quickly. I didn't elaborate because I started talking about the thyroid. Intermittent fasting only helps you lose weight if it addresses the reason why you're overweight. And it does a lot of things in the body. So maybe over time it'll address them and you don't realize it's addressing them and then you're going to start losing the weight later. But seven months is a long time. It is time to start looking for for something else at that point, I think. I'm not saying don't do intermittent fasting, but I mean, figure out what the problem is. Keep doing intermittent fasting, but (laughs) figure out what it is that's holding your body back. And I will say, I just want to throw this out there to the universe, but I've been thinking a lot about it more and more. I feel like if you have to try a whole foods, like low carb or low fat approach in your eating window and you want to do like one meal a day, I feel like, I mean, it's very individual, so I don't want to make a blanket statement, but I feel like going the low fat whole foods route, especially in a one meal a day eating pattern, I think that's something to try. And the reason I'm saying that is I think so many people think, oh, low carb for weight loss. Right, right. But the more I think about it, especially like with a one meal a day pattern, the substrates in a high protein, high carb diet, if you eat a high protein, high carb, low fat diet, the substrates in that are going to be predominantly pushed towards the protein for like rebuilding your protein stores and supporting your body. The carbs feeling like glycogen. I've talked in the past about how actual carbs themselves have a very small turnover rate to fat. And then if you're doing a low fat approach, so you're not actually filling in fat stores and you're eating all, you know, whole foods that are nourishing, they're not like super processed, so they're not, you know, even easily turned into fat anyway. If you're coupling that with intermittent fasting, I feel like that's a pretty nice route to try for fat loss. And the reason I'm saying that is I think people so often are like, oh, do low carb, do low carb, do low carb, which might work. But I just want to put that out there that that is a valid thing to try as well. Yeah. And one bit of advice that is just, I think, the wrong advice, and I see people giving it every day, eat more fat. That's like standard advice now. When someone's like, I'm having trouble losing weight, they're like, add more fat to your eating window. I'm like, what? (laughs) No, please don't give that advice. If you're trying to access your stored fat, you don't want to eat more fat. We've somehow gotten a mistaken idea that adding fat to your diet, the more fat you eat, the more fat you burn off of your body. And that's not true. Which is not true. You know, Jason Fung has a blog post about it where he says, who needs to add fat bombs and bulletproof coffee? And he's like, not you if you're trying to lose weight. So if you're trying to lose body fat, adding more fat is going to be counterproductive. And that's the thing. If you're trying to really reduce your insulin levels, and if that's your problem, see, it's all about knowing what your problem is. If your problem is you have really, really, really high insulin levels and you or working to lower them. Fasting lowers your insulin levels. That's when keto, low carb for a time might be good. It'll help you lower your insulin levels more. But if you're trying to burn fat, I wouldn't overdo eating the fat. And especially because, okay, this is something else, Jen. People will say, you know, eat fat to stay full. I've researched this extensively. Out of protein, carbs, and fat, the satiation effect is actually higher from protein and carbs. Yeah, it's true. That fat is the least satiating. Right. I know. Now, 
I will say this. If I eat carbs by themselves, like when I tried the potato hack years ago, I'm not recommending this either, listeners, but the potato hack is you just eat like all the potatoes, but they're fat-free. You just eat potatoes. <laughs> just eat potatoes. I was starving. Just the potato by itself wasn't – I needed the fat for satiety. So a potato by itself did not do the trick. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like super, super low fat is oftentimes not satiating either. Butter by itself would not have done the trick either. Exactly. I mean, fat can have a satiating effect because it can slow down gastric emptying. And like, depending on how you respond to insulin, we're also different. And depending on your body, it can create a more sustained but prolonged insulin release, which avoids like these blood sugar spikes, but actually will keep your insulin higher longer, which I've been hardcore researching insulin because we have this question that I've been like dying to address, but I really want to make sure I have done all the research on it. But I've been yeah, researching insulin a lot. But as far as fat goes, fat itself is actually not really satiating. And Jen, oh my goodness, I'm so happy you brought up Dr. Fung and insulin. This was actually what I meant to talk about at the very beginning and I forgot. Can I talk about it really quickly? Yeah. So I'm reading right now the diabetes code and he just said something and I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of like, not so down with the conclusion that he drew. So I want to get your thoughts on it. All right. What is it? But I thought of an analogy first, and I'm going to throw this analogy at you and see how you respond. Okay. So say that you're standing in a room and you're wearing a white shirt. Okay. And I thought about this. I was thinking about this last night. And then say there's a bucket of blue paint. And then say there's another person in the room. Okay. So there's you wearing a white shirt. There's a bucket of blue paint. And then there's a person to get the paint on your shirt the person picks up the bucket of paint and throws it on you and now you're covered in blue paint right yeah so what would you say was the cause of your shirt turning from white to blue would you say the paint caused it from white to blue or the person caused it to go white to blue well it's the paint yeah that's what I would say but the person caused the paint to get there. Yeah. In theory, it was both together because if just the paint was there, you wouldn't be blue. You just trace it back a step. The shirt is blue because now it has paint on it. Why is the paint on it? The cause of the paint being on it is the person. Yeah. In theory, you really have to have both because if there was just a thing of paint, it wouldn't get on you. And <laughs> if there was just a person, there wouldn't be any paint to get on you. You need both. It's a chain reaction. You needed both steps. Yeah, or not even as much of a chain reaction as you just needed both at the same time. Now let me know if this analogy is appropriate to what I'm drawing it to. So there's a section in the Diabetes Code with Dr. Jason Fung, and I listened to this section three times because I wanted to make sure I was like hearing it right. He was talking about how insulin resistance and diabetes is caused to some extent by fatty pancreas and fatty liver, but focusing on the fatty pancreas. So that builds up in the pancreas. The way he started that section was saying Occam's razor says to say the most simplest, you know, reason for why something is the way it is. If you hear hoof beats, think horses, not zebras. Yeah, exactly. So like go to the most simplest answer. So he says that, that he talks about how diabetes is linked to fatty pancreas. And it goes on and on and on about how when there's fat in the pancreas, you know, it causes diabetes. And how if you remove fat from the pancreas, the diabetes reverses. And basically that's the cause. 
so hearing that, I'm like, okay, Occam's razor, fat is causing the, the diabetes and the pancreas. But then he says that it's the sugar that is causing the fat to be stored in the pancreas. So he says Occam's razor says that the sugar is causing the fatty pancreas, which is causing the diabetes. So that was my analogy. Was in the analogy situation, you with your white shirt is the pancreas, the blue paint is the fat, and then the person throwing it on you, that's the sugar causing, you know, the fat to enter the pancreas. Right. So my, my two critiques of that section was, and I'm super fan of Dr. Fung. I would just love to pick his brain on this more because my two critiques on his interpretation of that is A, I think Occam's razor, the simplest answer would actually not say that the sugar is the cause. I think Occam's razor would say that the fat is the cause, regardless of if it got there because of the sugar creating hyperinsulinemia. My second critique is that why do we always have to say it's the fat or the sugar when I think it's both? Yeah, yeah. I think you need it both in a way. Because if you were just doing, you know, like high fat, low carb, and there was no sugar present, you would not be storing that fat. But if you didn't have the dietary fat at all, and you were just doing, you know, a low, high carb, low fat diet, I don't see how you would create those fat stores. You know, we've all seen the protocols that work for reversing diabetes with, I'm talking about type 2 diabetes, with a low fat. Yeah. Like there's the, was it Kempner or whatever, where it's like all rice and fruit or something? Yes. And it worked. So it's really starting to really get to me how it's complicated. Well, it's complicated and how I don't know why so many people want it to be either or like, why, why, why does everybody insist that it is just fat or it's just sugar? Like, why does it have to be just fat or just carbs? When I think personally, it seems like it's both. Like it's when you have them together that we're having all these problems. I don't think it's just when you have them together. I think it's when you have them together in excess. Right. That's the key. You know, if you have them together, that's very different than having too much. It's only when you have too much that your body has to do something with it. And there's the problem. And you can get rid of having too much by lowering either one, have less. But we know why that doesn't work in the long term with the whole, you know, it does slow your metabolic rate. And fasting is protective of that, which is a, a good thing for intermittent fasting, you know, because we have that the period of the day where our body ramps things up during the fast. So, yeah, it's so complicated. And there's not just an easy answer. And that's actually in my very special secret project. I'm working on that right now, that, that question. <laughs> Taking away the analogy of the paint and all that stuff, if you did just hear... Occam's razor, what would you say would be the Occam's razor answer to fatty pancreas causing diabetes in that context of the fat causing the fatty pancreas, but the sugar causing the hyperinsulinemia, which is causing the storage of the fat in the pancreas? So what do you think is the Occam's razor answer to that? I'm just curious. Well, I'm not sure that that fits the situation because with Occam's razor, you're trying to decide, is it zebras or is it horses? But it's one or the other, not them both. What if it's a herd of horses running with zebras? So in this case, it's not that it's this or that. It's really both. I agree. Yeah. Maybe that was one reason I got sort of, I don't want to say irritated, but I just got a little bit, I was like, I don't think this is the best like way to, you know, posit this, this argument. But it could be, it could be a herd of zebras and horses running together. I felt like it was like this huge twist ending because he was like, 
Occam's razor. Then there's like this huge section about fat forever, ever, ever. And then he's like, sugar, insulinemia, Occam's razor, sugar. That's how he concludes the chapter. It's been months since I read that chapter. I wish I could remember. I'm like, that's a really quick jump. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Needless to say, I am enjoying it. Oh, and if you would like to check out that book, by the way, listeners, and you're not already on Audible, definitely go to the show notes because we have an offer for a free audiobook and a free membership for a month. A few things for listeners before we go. If you'd like to submit your own questions for the podcast, two ways you can do that. You can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. Also that website, these show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 122. So check that out for all of those links. We definitely mentioned a lot of things. So definitely check out those show notes. You can also check out ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like for all of the stuff that we like because we like a lot of things. You can follow us on Instagram. We are the IF Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter. We are the IF Pod. All right. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that it was a great episode. We talked about a lot of different things, but it was very interesting. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember... The opinions we discussed on this show do not constitute medical advice. We're not doctors. Check out ifpodcast.com for more information on us. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.